It's time for Cerrito Live on Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. Live from the legendary Sports 56 studios at Flynn Broadcasting in Memphis, here's your host, Kevin Cerrito. Uh, nope, Kevin is on location, on assignment elsewhere. What's going on, Memphis? It is time for some Cerrito Live. I am filling in for Mr. Kevin Cerrito. I am CJ Hurt. For those who don't know, on the other side of the glass, my main man, Drew Barrett. What's happening, Drew? Not much. Glad we got another Cerrito-free weekend for us to, <laughs> you know, take over doing... Do a little playing hurt. Do a playing hurt takeover, everybody. That is what's happening. We need takeover music uh, for next time we do this. And so, yeah, welcome in. We got an action-packed show. We're only on an hour and a half. We go off at 1230. Uh, Ole Miss pregame coverage is going to come on immediately following us. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and we got a great show lined up for you guys as usual today. We start the show off every show. We start off with uh, trending topics with Mr. Double Score himself, Marcus Hunter. And so after that, we will go to for a little Kevin Sanity minus Kevin Cerrito with Kevin Light. Talk about the Martin injury as well as the recent news about the NBA playoff seedings being by record instead of division. Um, after that, we have my main man, Ben Garrett of uh, Scout.com, OMSpirit.com coming on to talk about a little University of Mississippi football. And then we will go at the top of the hour to Dustin Starr to discuss Monday Night Raw. It's coming to Memphis, people, so we will have all of your wrestling fixings in a bunch right here at noon. But as usual, like I said, we start every show off with trending topics. And Marcus Hunter, Hunter boy, what's up, man? Hunter. Yo, what's going on? What's happening? Nothing much, man. man. Hey, man, it's a beautiful day. It's Saturday. You know where I'm about to go to, Starkville, Mississippi, for this big football game, Mississippi State and LSU. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, a beautiful day and a great day to talk some football. And I'm I'm glad that you guys are taking over for Cerrito because, you know, it's just too much Kevin Cerrito, you know, too many weeks (laughs) in a row. It's annoying. You know what else is real annoying? Uh, playing a team in fantasy football that had Rob Gronkowski on it, that that is real annoying. And yeah, I'm 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 sorry about that, man. You know, um, I knew that Gronk was going to have a, a a big year regardless of who was the quarterback, and I got lucky and was able to draft him. And uh, hey, you know, Ben Roethlisberger had a pretty good game for you. You know, from a quarterback standpoint, I mean. I'm not, I'm, you know, from that standpoint, so you never know. You're not going to get the same kind of performance out of your tight end, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm trying to get rid of this daggum toilet seat. I've won it back-to-back years, people, the accursed toilet seat. I'm trying to get rid of it, and I face off against Marcus Hunter week one, and I'm looking at his team. It's like, oh, his team, the best player is Gronk. Gronk can't carry you to a win. Three touchdowns later, 30 points later, Marcus is going to beat me this week, and it makes me real, real sad. It's very early, man. I mean, I mean, it's very early. Only one game has been played. I mean, I do have a a run, and I'm hoping that he has a big game for me. So, and my running backs are kind of awful. So, yeah, I got a a run and Rob Gronkowski, and I pretty much got to you know rest my hat on those two guys. Well, <laughs> that's a beautiful place to rest your hat because you never know. A.A. Ron Rogers might go out there and drop 30 himself. So now you got 60 points from two players, and I'm only projected to score 85 points. 
Well, hey, there you have it. I mean, hopefully that's what happens for me. <laughs> that's the hope. You know, you know, that's why I took those two. I was like, you know, high risk, high reward guys. Nice. I'm, I'm going to have to follow your draft strategy next year, just not show up and draft from home. I think the food at Fox and the Hound was throwing me off a little bit. Look, man, it was probably the food, probably the conversation, you know, getting caught up in the heat of the moment. Guys are talking about different players, and you go away from your strategy thinking, oh, man, this guy has some information. You know, you, you change your strategy up at the last second, and that's never a good thing. You're always going to have a strategy going in. You know, I knew that Rodgers and Gronkowski were two guys that I wanted to get because I knew I couldn't get any wild, any good tailbacks with the draft position that I had. So I got the two I wanted and going to ride with them. All right, Marcus, are you ready for some trending topics? Yes, sir, I am ready. Let's get into it. Trending topics. All right, the first trending topic. Trending topic. Coach Calipari was trending after Memphis President David Rudd decided Dr. Rudd decided to honor Coach Cal uh during one of Memphis's basketball games for his accomplishments at the University of Michigan and for his accomplishments getting nominated or getting into the Hall of Fame. This you week. just say Michigan? Did I say Michigan? Say Michigan. Memphis. Say Excuse Michigan. me. University of Memphis. I apologize. <laughs> he, has, he has that crappy football team on his brain. Right Man, now. don't I ever have I always have him on my brain. But no, uh, Coach Cal, David, Dr. Rudd decided to honor him and then decided quickly after the backlash he received to not do so. And so, Marcus, what do you think about that whole situation in general? First off. I think that Coach Cal definitely should be honored. And the fact that you decide to honor him and then because of public backlash, back off of honoring Coach Cal, I think that that is going to uh, offend Coach Cal to the point that if Memphis ever decides to honor him again in the future, he's probably going to say, no, I don't want to come there because, listen, it's time to get over what Coach Cal did. This guy is now in the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame. And how can you as a university not want your program associated with the guy who was in the Hall of Fame. I mean, forget the fact that Cal left. I mean, that's just life. I mean, you know, we all make decisions in life that we feel are the best for us and our families. And if you have, if you want to be at the top pinnacle of your profession and you think that, uh, you know, working for ESPN Radio is the top pinnacle of your profession, CJ, or working for Fox Radio or Yahoo Radio or Sports 56 or whatever, you feel like that's the top pinnacle and you have the opportunity to do it, who would be? How can anybody be able to say that you for doing that? So I think that it's been long enough. Give the guy a break and, uh, you know, let Coach Cal be honored. But I guess at this point, it's not going to happen. So I don't think it's ever going to happen. Marcus, the thing is, if fans aren't upset that he left, it's how he left. That That's the problem that fans have with. Well, it's not like he left. It's not like he pulled a, uh, a Indianapolis, not Indianapolis, a Baltimore coach to Indianapolis leave in the middle of the night move. I mean, the guy stood outside of his house, told the press conference. He cried. I mean, the man cried. So what do you mean is how he left? I think that he It's all those recruits he took. It, it's the 2008 National Championship game that's the 2008 season that was taken away. It was John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Xavier Henry that he took. Well, yeah, he did. Um, he did take the players uh, that he recruited. Uh, you know, with him when he went to Kentucky. I mean, that wasn't necessarily the nicest thing, but I mean, you know, the university did hire a coach in Josh Pastor, who they hoped was going to um, at least compete. Marcus, you still there? Yeah. Oh, uh, go ahead. I'm still here. Go ahead. We lost you for a second. 
Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, but um, but um, yeah, but yeah, that's just what I'm saying, man. I mean, you gotta give this guy, you know, an opportunity. You know, you, you gotta give him a break at some point because, I mean, it's been it's been enough years that you know the wound should be healed by now. Uh, but you know, ten his, more years. Here's his, my thing: if he's still he's still coaching, you're still competing with him indirectly. I know he's in the SEC, but you're still competing with him for top recruits and for you know NCAA tournament championships. So shouldn't you wait until he? Retires from the game to to honor him. Why does it have to be I mean, so soon? Why does it have to be right now? I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, it could have it could have waited a little longer. And I understand, I understand fans' perspective. You know, you know, it's too soon, and you know, the guy, you know, he's still taking recruits from us, and, and almost still rubbing it in your face every time he's in the Final Four. But at the same time, you know, maybe you know, maybe they're trying to like you know heal those wounds early. In, in the event that Coach Cal may want to want to go back to Memphis, wait, wait. I mean, <laughs> come back. Will Memphis would, welcome would him back? Would Memphis welcome him back? <laughs> I mean, okay. come on, come on. If anything happened at Kentucky, you know, say for instance, you know, Coach Cal, you know, it, it, it wasn't working out. You know, they had a couple of losing seasons, and, and he was out. I mean, it's, it's not like it can't happen. I mean, it's happened. Some of the greatest coaches ever, where they've had a few bad seasons, and it's not to say that that can't happen. So, if he was out in Kentucky and he, you know, wanted to go back to Memphis, because I mean, you, you can't sit here and deny the fact that Coach Cal fell in love with Memphis, that he found that being able to recruit in Memphis was easy, and he loved the fan base there. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he would think so. So maybe the university is trying to, you know, sever those signs early because, like I said, that could be a possibility on down the road, and you can't find me a Memphis fan that would not want him back. All right, Marcus. So, Hall of Fame was last night. Cal went in. He had studs from Kentucky: John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, Booker was also there. Let me ask you this: Which one of those guys will is most likely to be in the Hall of Fame? Ooh, okay. Give me that list one more time. So we had uh, Devin Booker was there. He came up on stage with Coach Cal, John Wall. Demarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, and Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, Anthony Davis, without a question. Anthony Davis is going to have the best shot at being in the Hall of Fame. I mean, this kid. I mean, I mean, he's a stud. He's a superstar. I mean, he's. I mean, he's on a level that Derrick Rose is never going to get to because of the injuries, unfortunately. But Anthony Davis is definitely that guy that's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Bar- barring injuries, barring injuries. Crazy thing is, all of them have a good good shot at getting that. Those are all perennial all stars right there, and that just shows you. And it just it just pours salt into the wounds for Memphis fans because those players would have been at Memphis, and we would be talking about a diff, a different type of Memphis basketball program than we are right now today. True, but let's but let's be real. It's not like just Josh Pastner got scrubbed. I mean, Josh Pastner got players too that could have been perennial all-stars it's just those guys never panned out I mean you know when you're recruiting these guys and you know they're a certain star level and you get them to come to your university you know there's always that hope those guys are going to develop into you know NBA players and all-stars and things of that nature you know but unfortunately for the players that Josh Fashner coached it just didn't happen for them and I mean some of that may be because of who the coach was so I mean you know you got to give Cal props and credit for his ability to coach not just taking away recruits because yes you can take away recruits but you still gotta coach these guys up 
Very yeah, but he left us so bone dry that next year. Like, who did we have? I think yeah, we had he, Elliot Williams. That's about it. We barely made yeah, the Elliot NIT. Williams, you had, uh, you had a Wesley Witherspoon. Spoon. No, no, not Wesley Witherspoon, Mister. I'm gonna make impressions on the bus. Get suspended for five games. Spoon. Yeah, but you did have. I mean, I mean, but you did have Elliot, and, and you did have, um, you know, some some really great classes come in after that. So I mean, think about this: Tariq Black couldn't play in Memphis. I mean, look at Tariq Black now, but but he couldn't play in Memphis under Coach Fashman. I mean. There's too much pressure. You know, that's but, what's going to be said about Coach Cal not bringing in Memphis guys. Too much pressure on these Memphis guys to perform well. But, Marcus, Memphis isn't having to deal with the Coach Passioner situation right now if Coach Calipari doesn't leave. And that that's where the sting is coming from. And so he shouldn't well, be – he shouldn't be – he should be honored. One day he should be honored. Read a great article on uh, blueworldorder.com about the Coach Cal situation. And basically, it said, and I agree wholeheartedly, he should be honored one day. But this December is not that day. Wait wait for him to leave the game of college basketball. And as soon as he leaves, you extend the invitation. Coach Cal, we like to honor you. We like for you to come back. And we like to pitch you in our Hall of Fame as well. That's how you should do it. And while I think David Rudd, Dr. Rudd, made the mistake of honoring him too soon, he did the right thing by uh, backpedaling and deciding not to do so. Yeah, and one of the reasons it was the right thing to backpedal and decide not to do so was because, I mean, Coach Cal probably wouldn't want to show up if everybody's going to be born. <laughs> True. We got to go on to our next trending topic. Trending topic. College football is back, Marcus. It is here. We are week two. Well, we are in week two of the college football season with a couple of great games on the docket. Michigan State, Oregon, that's the big one. Um, but there's some big games in SEC territory and, and here in the Bluff City with Tennessee versus Oklahoma today, Mississippi State versus LSU. They get the SEC West race started. And Memphis, a 13-point favorite over Big 12 opponent, Kansas. Marcus, which one of those games are you most intrigued by? Do you really have to ask me that question? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, obviously, LSU, Mississippi State, I mean, it is an SEC West showdown. This was the game where last year Mississippi State established themselves as a power in the SEC West for at least one year, and it, and it started their run to becoming the number one team in the nation. And LSU obviously has not forgotten about that game, how that game went down, how uh, Mississippi State essentially embarrassed them on their own home, uh, you know, you know, in Death Valley. So LSU is going to come into this game. It's their first game of the season because their opening game got rained out. So they're going to come in with a lot of question marks at quarterback. And that's going to be one of those things where we're going to be finding out what LSU is going to be and also what Mississippi State really is going to be. So I'm, I'm very intrigued by that game. Uh, the Memphis game, not so much intrigued by because you expect Memphis to go in there and win that game because Kansas is awful. I mean, they, I mean, yeah, they're, they're in a power five, but they're just an awful football team. I mean, Arkansas State could beat them. Uh, UAB, <laughs> well, there is no UAB. Southern Miss probably could beat Kansas this year. So... So, yes, Memphis should be a favorite in that game. I'm interested to see, though, if, pa if Paxton just continues to just throw the ball just, like, just beautifully. I mean, he Memphis fans, get ready to not have this kid next year if he continues to play as well as he started the season off because, I mean, he, he, he is draft eligible and he is playing well. 
Yeah, I was at that Memphis game. Drew was there. Uh, Mr. Cerrito was there as well. And those Tigers looked. I know who they were playing. Well, I don't know who they were playing against. They were playing against Southeast <laughs> Missouri State. Uh, and so, for what it's worth, it, it's Southeast Missouri State. But they looked real good. And going out there, and I don't care if Kansas is in a Power 5 conference, going out there and notching a win against another Power 5 school, for the American Athletic Conference is huge. I don't know if Memphis gets into a Power 5 conference. I don't. But I think the American can make a push for being included in that Power 5 mix. When you look at what Temple was able to do against Penn State, if Memphis can go out there and knock off Kansas and then you know keep it competitive and maybe even upset Ole Miss, I think that the American can say, hey, we're every bit as good as the Power 5. We want in on this money as well. We think we should deserve, we should get into college football playoffs just by winning our conference alone. And I think that is the way Memphis should look at this situation, uh, from a conference standpoint. And the American needs Memphis to go out there and beat Kansas. They do. They just flat out do. They need another win against a Power Five conference. Even if it's Kansas, you're a Power Five school. You're supposed to be able to beat up on the other six. And if you can't do that, then we question your validity and we question the fact that Memphis and the rest of the American Athletic Conference continue to get left out of the quote unquote conversation for power five schools. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to definitely have to win this game. And, you know, a lot of other, you know, AAU teams are going to have to pull up sets also. Yeah, well, we got uh, some interesting games on the docket for the American. But before we get to that. Tennessee versus Oklahoma. That's a game that I am real interested to see. I love Eric Stryker. I, I just yeah. love him. He the comments he has a different sort of arrogance and a different sort of intensity when it comes to football and I think it life in general. Uh I'ma tweet out a link to the story about the uh what what was the name of that fraternity, Drew? SAE? Yeah, that, the SAE situation at Oklahoma where, you know, they were the racist chants and everything. And I'm going to tweet out Eric Stryker's response. He took the Snapchat and pretty much threatened everybody at Oklahoma who was in one of those fraternities. Um, and I love that. He had some interesting comments about playing against Tennessee on Fox sports.com and specifically about Jalen Hurd saying that quote Jalen Hurd is just a regular tailback he can be tackled just like everybody else I love Oklahoma's coming into SEC territory and they don't like the SEC Bob Stoops has a disdain for the SEC that is rivaled by few and going into Tennessee I think Oklahoma is looking to try and not only embarrass that Tennessee but make a statement against the SEC and change national perception well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's what he's going to have, you know, he's going to have to get this win over Tennessee if he hopes to do that. And just beating Tennessee is not going to be some cakewalk uh, because, I mean, Tennessee, you know, they're in the top 25 for a reason. I think they're going to be a very good football team this year. You know, you guys laughed at me earlier when I picked Tennessee to win the SEC East. But I think this game is going to tell a lot of what Tennessee can do. I mean, I mean, Rocky Top is not an easy place to go and play. I mean, it's very difficult uh, to go there, to play there, and to win there. So I think Tennessee's going to come out and win this game and establish themselves uh, as not not the same old Tennessee football team that will beat up, establish themselves as, you know, a, a much better team than, you know, the one we're used to seeing. If, the, if Tennessee is to win, they're going to rely on their two-headed rushing attack with Jalen Hurd and Alvin Kamara. You know, those two both ran for over 120 yards against Bowling Green, and I do believe Hurd had – 
three touchdowns against Bowling Green. And that having those two run the football is going to take a lot of pressure off of Dobbs running around back there because I think Stryker is coming for him and Stryker is coming to make a point. But if they can run the ball effectively and contain Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma's star quarterback, then Tennessee may win. I don't think Tennessee wins, I, and I think Oklahoma wins by double digits. I I am of the camp that still thinks Tennessee is only only a year away from being back nationally relevant. Talking from the standpoint of college football playoffs, but you know if if they can run the football effectively and stop Mayfield, then hey, it's Tennessee has a good shot of winning this football game. Well, listen, sometimes it's all you need, man. All you need is a shot. And, and like you said, you know, Tennessee has a shot. And as long as they have a shot, and if it, if it can be close in the fourth quarter, that's why I think that Tennessee is going to be able to pull it off. They can keep this game close in the fourth quarter. They'll be able to win it at home. All right, Marcus, we got to go on to our next trending topic. Trending topic. NFL season has kicked off. We talked briefly about Rob Gronkowski's uh, awesome night from a fantasy perspective. The rest of the games will be going on Sunday and Monday. Marcus, let's go ahead and get a, a magnificent pick from you on Super Bowl teams. Well, this one, you know, this is going to be hard because I I loathe the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> I, you know, I, they 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 are a fantastic football team. I do not like them. I do not want them to be successful. And I'm not a big fan of the Dallas Cowboys either. So so with my heart, it's hard to pick either one of those teams. However, neither one of those teams are the teams I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick um, the Green Bay Packers from the NFC to be in the uh, Super Bowl. So I think Green Bay has a, a really good shot at getting there because, I mean, you saw what happened last year. Even though they're going to be down one of their top receivers, I think Green Bay still has a good shot. And I'm going to go with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I think that Andrew Luck is finally going to get it done this year. I mean, they got uh, you know a much better running game uh, with Frank Gore being up there. Uh, you know, they've got some added pieces uh, up there in Indianapolis. So I'm going to have to go with the Colts. And, and and also they got so close last year. And I think it's, I think it'll be a rematch of last year's championship game, Colts versus Patriots. But I think the Colts are going to be able to pull it off because it's going to be in Indianapolis. Because I mean, have you seen their schedule? I mean, geez. Indianapolis has like the easiest schedule I've ever seen. I didn't even know you can be in the NFL and have a schedule that easy. <laughs> it, it, it really looks like they're playing against, you know, like against the Sun Belt Conference with the teams that they're playing. So, yeah, yeah, the Colts are going to have home home field and they're going to win the uh, AFC Championship game. So it's going to be Colts versus the Packers. All right, we we're going to pull that clip and save it for February and see how magnificent Marcus Hunter is with his psychic predictions and bring it speaking of your AFC championship game that you've predicted the Colts and the Patriots that takes us to our last trending topic trending topic the Cheatriots Marcus the Patriots Tom Brady got off this week and they continue to cheat I'm grateful that we are in the uh Sports 56 studio and not in Gillette Stadium. Otherwise, we might be having some difficulties with our headphones and our headsets, and we might be picking up some of the Patriots broadcast. What do you think about the the Patriots and the the Patriot way being tarnished a little bit? Well, the NFL cleared them again today, so it's really, I mean, the NFL has already come out and said it was an electrical issue and not anything that the Patriots intentionally did, so... I mean, I guess you have to take that for, for what it is, though. Take it with because, you know, the Patriots, like you said, they continue to cheat, and it seems like they're going to continue to be able to get away with cheating. 
Do you think this tarnishes that legacy, though? Do you think this this is a, a stain that can't be removed on the legacies of Belichick and Brady and on the, the Patriot dynasty as we know it? Do I think this is going to have an effect on it? It tarnishes it. Makes it's what they did less impressive. It's already been tarnished. Yeah, I, I you know I think especially especially the way Mike Tomlin came out in response to uh, what was going on with the headset. I oh, he was mad. Clear. Yeah, I, I, I think it is clear that the Patriots have basically lost the respect of every NFL team. So, uh, you know, I, so, so I think that their reputation has already been tarnished. I, I think I think the harm has already been. Been, been applied. Nothing, nothing else that can be done for the Patriots. All the coaches, uh, most of the uh, owners, they just, you know, they don't like them in their cheating ways. All right, Marcus. Thank you, as usual, for joining us. We got to let you go, man. Have fun down there in Starkville, baby. All right, guys. I'll try my best here, and I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, enjoy this uh, this uh, Saturday of football. All right, man. That is. Right, Holla at Holla you. Back. That is Mr. Marcus Hunter, Mr. Sweet T, Mr. Double underscore himself joining us for Trending Topics. We are going to go to a break, but first, let me tell you guys about Playhouse on the Square, located at Union and Cooper in the Overton Square Theater District. Playhouse on the Square is Memphis's only professional theater and the perfect place to take a date. Playhouse on the Square is proud to announce its selections for the 2015-2016 season. The upcoming season will see multiple blockbuster musicals, as well as numerous regional and world premiere productions, including Sister Act, Billy Elliot the Musical, Peter Pan, and the regional premiere of the hit musical, Memphis. Check out the full list of shows and buy tickets at PlayhouseOnTheSquare.org. Coming up next, we will be joined by... Mr. Kevin Light of the Memphis Flyer right here on Cerrito Live on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. Are you one of many Memphis area residents who suffer from weekday boredom? Do you sit around on weekday nights looking at your phone while trying to find something to do? If so, ask your doctor about trivia with Kevin Cerrito. Well, actually, that would be a little weird. Instead, just stop playing on your phone and start inviting your friends to play trivia with Kevin Cerrito. It's more than just your average mind-numbing pub quiz. It's trivia night with questions about stuff you and your friends know and like featuring unique weekly themes including movies, music, 90s TV shows, current events, and more. Come see for yourself while Paul Ryburn's journal calls Kevin Cerrito, quote, a trivia master. All shows are free to play. For more information on locations, weekly themes, and drink specials, visit CerritoTrivia.com or like Cerrito Trivia on Facebook and browse the best team name Hall of Fame. Trivia with Kevin Cerrito is the perfect prescription for weekday boredom. Warning, side effects may include weight prizes, laughing out loud, high-fiving, eating mass quantities of delicious food, consumption of adult beverages, Rock, paper, scissors, and spending quality time with friends. Now play trivia with Kevin Cerrito in Overton Square at Swine House every Monday night from 8 to 10. On Broad Avenue at the Rec Room every Tuesday night from 8 to 10. Downtown at Tampa Tap every Wednesday night from 7 to 9. And on South Main at the Green Beetle every Thursday night from 8 to 10. Welcome back to Cerrito Live. Here once again is Kevin Cerrito. Ow! Nope, nope, nope. Nope, it is I, C.J. Hurt, filling in for Kevin with Drew Barrett on the other side of the glass. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We're going to be joined by the Flyers' very own Kevin Light here in a second. But before we are, uh, I forgot to tell you guys about all the social networks we are on. You can get in contact with the show on Twitter. Kevin is at Cerrito. I am at Conradicalness. Drew is at D Barrett 36 The show is also on Instagram. 
I'm at Con Radicalness on there. Kevin is at Kevin Cerrito. And Drew is at Drew Barrett. Well, I'm, excuse me, at D Barrett 1236. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Cerrito Live. Follow us on the Snapchat as well. We're also on Periscope. And from time to time, we do do live Periscoping. Uh, so check that out. You can also email the show, CerritoLive at gmail.com. And most Saturdays, you can call in at high noon, not this Saturday, but most Saturdays you can call in at high noon for hang up and listen. And as always, you can get in touch with the show by via text uh, on the Sports 56 text line at 67129. Now, for the moment most of you have been waiting for, we are joined by the Memphis Flyers. Kevin like to talk some Grizzlies hoops. Oh, yeah. What's going on, Mr. Light? <laughs> well, uh, I'm actually in the car with uh, with baby Tayshana, so if she makes her radio debut, I apologize. Oh, nice. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we're just uh, we're out, out for a little bit of a drive. So you got baby Tayshana, a.k.a. the Grilled Cheese Bandit, in the car with you. I love it. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. A.k.a. AKA uh, Grizzlies Baby Race, not first place finisher. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we we got some Grizzlies, some interesting news coming from the NBA and with the Grizzlies specifically. Uh, Darrell Martin's injury, foot injury, same foot that he's that was injured, and the same foot that gave a lot of people pause about drafting him in the first round. Is this the type of injury that's going to plague his career? I mean, it, it, it might be. I mean, the thing is, and you know, I, I much of this. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not the foot expert, but but this injury is to the same foot that he already hurt. Right. Um, uh, this injury is not a is not a stress injury. It's not like the injury that he had has been re-aggravated. This actually, like he ran into somebody and broke his foot. That that just happens in basketball sometimes. But the fact that it's in the same foot, um, it is worrying. You know, you don't you don't like a guy who's broken the same foot twice um, before he's ever played an NBA minute. I mean, he didn't even get to play summer league. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 concerning. Uh, you don't you don't want to see a guy start his career off like that. So, um, I mean, with any luck, this is just a like a freak thing, and he'll be um, he'll be able to just kind of sit it out and then get up and running. But um, yeah, you know, it, you don't you don't want to see a guy break his foot twice before he ever plays a minute. Yeah, and you know he was drafted because of his athletic ability. He he wasn't going to contribute immediately for this team, being behind Gasol and Randolph and Brandon Wright and some other players. Um, right. But he did have value as a player. What does this issue do to his his trade value on the market? Um, I mean, I don't think he had a whole lot of trade value to begin with. Really, uh, he's just such a project. Um, he, he was a guy who was going to have to to do some serious minutes for the Iowa Energy this year, and uh, and, and kind of see what you had then anyway. So you know, I don't think their plan in drafting him was to try to trade him this year anyway. I, I, I think I think it was already low, and now it's just even lower. Um, I yeah, I, I honestly I hadn't even really thought about it just because I, I I don't I don't I don't think they're going to trade him. I, I don't think he's worth much anyway. Yeah, but that's that's usually what they do with their, their draft picks. Yeah. At some point in time, that that, that pick ends true. up getting traded away. 
And yeah, you but know, he's got to go through back. a couple seasons of he's got to go through a couple seasons of not playing and not doing anything before they trade him away. Got to stick to the pattern. <laughs> so. Well, well, can can the Grizzlies afford to have another miss in the draft? If, assuming that this is an injury that plagues uh, Mr. Martin's career, and this he isn't able to be the player that they thought he would be when they drafted him. It's tough to get free agents to, especially big name free agents, to want to come to Memphis. If they're not building through the draft, how's this team going to be able to build a a winning franchise consistently? I mean, no, they can't afford to. They can't afford to miss on on any draft picks. They they already got rid of a few future ones. You know, um, I, at least two first round picks are just hanging out there in the breeze that aren't theirs anymore. So they, you know, that's kind of the reason I was so down on the Martin pick to begin with. Is that you you really have to start drafting. You know, not really, not really for immediate needs, but things you know you're going to need in the future, uh, and and not take these guys who are who are such risks. And I, I think, you know, if, if Jarrell Martin doesn't work out, then that's that's another pick. That's that's three picks basically that you just wasted. So I, I really, they really can't afford to miss in the draft for the next three or four years because they only have two picks unless they can figure out some kind of trade to get some more first-round picks, which seems unlikely given the roster situation. So um, I, I really hope that, that Martin can can get healed and, and turn into a good player, if only because they can't afford to, to waste draft picks like that. Right, right. And the crazy thing is, since since the Hashim, well, including the Hashim to beat pick way back in 09. Uh, Who? Grizzly, excuse me? Who? <laughs> yeah, to beat, to beat Mr. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Wolf Chase Galleria himself. Uh, the Grizzlies have selected 12 players and not including Adams and Martin we'll take that down to 10 6 of them, over half of them are no longer in the league you look at Tabit being out of the league Sam Young, Zave Henry's out of the league, he's a free agent but he doesn't have a team right now, Dominic Jones is in China Josh Shelby is in Israel and Giannis Tima is wherever he is so they 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 seem to struggle when it comes to the draft, and I agree wholeheartedly with you, man. They've got to find a way to to build a consistent winner here in a smaller market, and I don't think that failing on the draft is a good way to do that. Yeah, and you know, <clears throat> I mean, let's be real, Chris Mark, uh, Chris Martin, Chris Wallace, basically uh, kind of lucked into some of his free agent gambles working out, right? I mean, nobody knew that Zach Randolph. Everybody knew he was still good, but nobody knew he was going to have the turnaround that he had, right? I mean, Tony Allen, everybody, it was another, like, he, he bought low on Tony Allen. He bought low on Zach Randolph. Uh, obviously, Mike Conley was a good pick. Obviously, the Pau Gasol trade worked out, and, and Mark Gasol worked out, too. But uh, that's that's th- those are guys, other than Conley, those are guys who weren't drafted, you know? Those are guys who were kind of gambles that worked out. Um so uh, this this is a team that was not built through the draft in the first place, with the exception of Mike Conley. So I, I think that's going to be a change of strategy for the way that that, that Chris Wallace has built this team. Uh, but I think it's one he's got to make. Yeah. Well, we're going move moving on from Grizzlies woes for for a second. They got some good news this week, and <laughs> that the NBA playoffs will now be seeded by record, not division championship. And like, what is what is your thought about that? I think this is the way it should be going forward. I mean, divisions are basically, they've made them even more meaningless. Um, I, I really am waiting for something to be done about conferences, too, because you've got, you know, you've still got under 500 teams making the East playoffs on a regular basis. 
and they have been for the last 15 years. I mean, that's something. Eventually, they're going to have to do something about the imbalance between the two conferences, too. But this is a step in the right direction. I mean, divisions, uh, Portland, because they won a division, ended up with um, a fourth seed but not home court advantage. It just didn't make any sense to 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 give Portland, who was not as good of a team as the Grizzlies, not as good of a team as uh, – I, I don't even know if they were – had a. I don't even know if they had a better record than the Spurs um, to, to give them a privileged position just because they were in a bad division. Basically, you know, the Thunder fell out of the fell out of that division, and, and they kind of had it to themselves. So, um, I think going forward, it's the right thing to do. It makes everything easier. You just got to have a better conference record, and you'll get the higher seed. Uh, the thing that I do think about that, though, is that. It's lucky that they did that now instead of before last season, because if they'd done it before last season, the Grizzlies would have ended up like faced off against the Spurs in the first round, probably. Uh, and we all know how that probably would have gone, <laughs> given all the injuries and the face breaking, and you know how everything unfolded. But you know, uh, I think um, I think it's the right thing to do going forward, even if the Grizzlies benefited from it being the way it was last year because they were the fifth seed and still had home court advantage and had to go through Portland instead of San Antonio. So, you know, it worked in the Grizzlies' favor last year, but still, it's still the right thing to do to get rid of it. Yeah, you, you're right. Uh, Portland finished the year 51-31, and 31 and they got the four seed. Memphis 55-27, and 27 and the Spurs 55-27, and 27 finished fifth and sixth, respectively. So in the new system, Memphis would be four seed, San Antonio would be six, Portland would move down. I'm sorry, San Antonio would be five. Portland yeah. would move down to six. And then we would have gotten to see a matchup potentially in the second round that would have been better than seeing uh, because the Clippers knocked off San Antonio last year in the first round, and both those teams were too good to have to be eliminated in the first round. So one of them would have yeah. been there in the second round as well. And so it just makes basketball better. Will they do away with divisions? Like since since they've done away with division championships meaning anything, shouldn't they do away with divisions and try and move towards a more balanced NBA conference schedule? Well, that's the thing. Like the divisions basically just exist for scheduling now. Um, so there was a piece on SB Nation. I've been talking about it for a year at least now. I think it was at the beginning of last season, and it was by Tom Ziller, and it was. He, he put forward this idea that the NBA should get rid of conferences, not divisions, that the division should be, like, regionally based so that you're cutting down on the amount of travel that teams have to do. You know, like, Portland and Oklahoma City are in the same division. Portland travels way more than anybody else in the league just because of the, you know, the crappy way that the divisions worked out because Vancouver and <laughs> right. Vancouver and Seattle aren't in the league anymore. Um, so, you know, the proposal, the proposal that he had would, would be that, like, you know, the Pelicans and the Grizzlies and the Hawks and the Magic and the Heat would be a division, right? Because right. then that's all, you're all just traveling in the Southeast. And then, like, the Atlantic division kind of works that way now, but, but you could redo these divisions so the teams are playing, only playing teams that are local. And the closest ones to them, they play more than anybody else. So, like, Memphis, Atlanta, and um, Memphis, Atlanta, and New Orleans would play each other a lot. You know, the, the the same way that like 
they play Houston and, and Dallas and all those teams now, the Grizzlies would play the Pelicans and they would play the Hawks. And to me, that makes a lot of sense because you're, number one, you're cutting down on travel. Number two, you're building these regional kind of fan bases and rivalries that, that you know, Grizzlies-Hawks should be a great rivalry. Grizzlies-Pelicans is kind of getting that way. Now that the Pelicans have a decent basketball team. Um, you know, that that that's that's the way to do it, I think. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't I don't know that it'll ever happen that way just because it's so hard to make changes that big. But um, I think something like that makes a lot more sense than just doing away with divisions and having conferences because then you don't solve the problem of travel and wear and tear on guys from being on a plane so much. All right, Light. Uh, we're going to let you go here, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, but before we do, what what you and baby Tayshana got planned today? Is it just daddy-daughter day? Y'all going to like a grilled cheese factory? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, we're actually going out to my parents' house because uh, I am I am in solo dad mode today because my wife is out of town. So gonna going to call in some reinforcements. Nice. I love it, man. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, where, can they, where can they follow you at on Twitter? Uh, Twitter... On Twitter, I'm Flyer Grizz Blog with one Z, the way that God intended. <laughs> um, you can go to MemphisFlyer.com. Memphis uh, the Beyond the Arc blog there is where most of my stuff goes. It's actually uh, MemphisFlyer.com slash Beyond the Arc. Easy to remember. Um, got the Beyond the Arc podcast, which is there. It's also on iTunes, Stitcher, and some other places. Um, so, yeah, I'm around. I'm kind of kind of psyching myself up to get back into another season. Uh, Media Day is at the end of this month, so we're, we're, it's right on It's right on us. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for joining us again, Light. Yep, take it easy. All right, bye. That is Kevin Light of the Memphis Flyer joining us. He joins us every week to talk a little Grizz basketball and NBA basketball as well. Um, We are going to go to another commercial break, but before we do, let me tell you guys to save the date. Saturday, October 3rd, 2015, 10.30 in the morning to 7 at night. At Tiger Lane is going down. Best Memphis Burger Fest is going to be great. It's at a new location, a new day of the week. There's a new beer garden and new best margarita competition. Oh, it sounds like fun, doesn't it, Drew, baby? Sounds great. It is great. Cannot wait. It is exciting. We'll be there. I'm sure Dustin will probably be there. It's going to be so much fun. Uh... It's, it's going to be a super cool cornhole tournament, $250 prize, and a Jose Cuervo custom cornhole set that you get for winning. I love one of my favorite country songs is Jose Cuervo. I love that song. I don't know why. I just do. Um, there's going to be an eating competition. There will be live music and so much more. For more information, you can go to bestmemphisburgerfest.com and find out all the details. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we get back, Ben Garrett of scout.com will join us to talk about some University of Mississippi football right here on Real Sports Talk Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. What's going on, party people? It's CJ and Drew here to tell you about the Playing Hurt Podcast. Playing Hurt is not your average facts and stats sports show. Don't get me wrong, we have the facts and stats that you need, but we also give you the unique entertainment experience that is Playing Hurt. So become a Hurtaholic by subscribing to Cerrito Live on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. You can also listen by going to CerritoLive.com and selecting the Playing Hurt tab. 
Are you one of many Memphis area residents who suffer from weekday boredom? Do you sit around on weekday nights looking at your phone while trying to find something to do? If so, ask your doctor about trivia with Kevin Cerrito. Well, actually, that would be a little weird. Instead, just stop playing on your phone and start inviting your friends to play trivia with Kevin Cerrito. It's more than just your average mind-numbing pub quiz. It's trivia night with questions about stuff you and your friends know and like, featuring unique weekly themes including movies, music, 90s TV shows, current events, and more. Come see for yourself while Paul Ryburn's journal calls Kevin Cerrito, quote, a trivia master. All shows are free to play. For more information on locations, weekly themes, and drink specials, visit CerritoTrivia.com or like Cerrito Trivia on Facebook and browse the best team name Hall of Fame. Trivia with Kevin Cerrito is the perfect prescription for weekday boredom. Warning, side effects may include weight prizes, laughing out loud, high-fiving, eating mass quantities of delicious food, consumption of adult beverages, rock, paper, scissors, and spending quality time with friends. Now play trivia with Kevin Cerrito in Overton Square at Swine House every Monday night from 8 to 10 on Broad Avenue at the Rec Room every Tuesday night from 8 to 10, downtown at Tampa Tap every Wednesday night from 7 to 9, and on South Main at the Green Beetle every Thursday night from 8 to 10. Okay, CJ, so where does the healthier you start at? Well, you know it starts at the Church Health Center Wellness. Yeah, it does. We've been members over there for well over a year. And what kind of things would we like to do when we go over to get ourselves in better shape? Man, weights, cardio, basketball, strength training, they really have it all. Yeah, they do have it all. You can get in shape for all kinds of events. I know, you know I used to go over there and I used the gym to get ready for the sports ball. I use it to get ready for dodgeball, man, and it's great. I love it so much. I go 17 to 18 times out the week. 17 to 18? How did you get that many days in a week to go? They added some days on there so I can get up there and shoot hoops and ball, man. Well, you got to make sure you get your healthy on because the healthier you starts at Church Health Center Wellness. It's located at Midtown. It's 1115 Union Avenue. Church Health Center Wellness, your key to a healthier you. Check them out online at www.churchhealthcenter.org or stop by for a tour today and find out why the I Love Memphis blog calls Church Health Center Wellness a gym for the rest of us. Welcome back to Cerrito Live. Here once again is Kevin Cerrito. What is up out there? No Kevin Cerrito this week. CJ Hurt right here. Filling in form, Drew Baird on the other side of the glass. We will have Ben Garrett from OMSpirit.com on here in a second. But before we do, let me tell you guys about another event coming up this fall. Breakfast. That is, well, breakfast, excuse me. That is September 26th. Uh, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Water Tower Pavilion on Broad Ave, benefiting the Urban Bicycle Food Ministry. Breakfast will celebrate all things breakfast and brunch in a day-long festival with food competitions, live music, food trucks, games, and so much more. There's something for everyone to enjoy at breakfast. For more information, go to breakfast901.com. We are going to go to one of my well new friend new friend uh mr ben garrett of omspirit.com and talk about some university of mississippi football what's going on ben hey bud how are you no i'm great man i'm great thank you so much for joining us today i know you're busy getting ready to go to that fresno state contest yeah i'm actually on the road right now i pulled over just to talk to you because you're special oh thank you man that makes me feel good inside you're welcome. You're let's, welcome. <laughs> let's hop right on into it and talk about this Larry Tunzel saga. What's what's the latest on that? Uh, well, he's not going to play against Fresno State. Um, I, I don't think much has changed. Um, you know, it's a two to four to game, two to four game deal. Uh, I've kind of held firm that 
Uh, I believe it'll be four games. Um, which four games those are remains to be seen. But right now, as it stands, he's definitely not playing today. And uh, when he returns to the field, remains to be seen. Is there is there a chance you guys can get him back next week before the or in time for the Alabama game? Well, there's a chance that Ole Miss can get him back, sure. But uh, I don't know how likely that chance is right now. Uh, I know that Ole Miss is going to push hard for a resolution um, next week. Again, the NCAA has not put a, uh, a number on how you know many games Larry Thompson could miss. Um, you know, there's just there's talking back and forth. They requested some more documentation recently, so um, there's definitely uh, a lot of back and forth right now, but a lot of unknown. I'd be surprised if he missed any more than four games. Okay, and uh, is Coach Freeze doing the right thing by sitting him out until the issue gets resolved? Well. You know, Hugh doesn't have anything to do with sitting him. Okay. Uh, it's a university decision. You know, it's a, they're calling it a precautionary thing. Again, the NCAA hasn't given any number of games they want him to miss or require him to miss. Or, and, and they haven't even told Ole Miss to sit him. Um, but Ole Miss is trying not to, you know, kick the hornet's nest, if you will, and um, play him and stick two fingers up and say we're going to play him no matter what and make it really ugly. Um, how the NCAA uh, in turn handles this, you know, uh, you know, you know, in response remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the I, I, I'm kind of back and forth on whether or not it's the right decision to sit him. But uh, you know, Ole Miss was in the best interest of Ole Miss to sit him for precautionary reasons, and that's what they're doing. Uh, how are they going to replace him on the offensive line? I know they got a little bit of depth, and they rotated four or five players in at that spot. Is that going to be enough for them to compete and contend for SEC West title contention? Well, I mean, I think the you know this is the most talented team Ole Miss has ever had, and uh, you know I think they'll be in the SEC West title contender, the SEC West title contender, so long as they're at full health. You know, without Larry, I mean, that's a significant hit. He's the best uh, you know tackle in the country, consensus top five pick going into next year's draft. So it's uh, it's hard to just replace that kind of productivity. Having said that, I still think Ole Miss can contend. Now, uh, is Larry Tunsil the difference between? Winning the SEC West and finishing third or fourth, I don't know. Um, this you know have to play out, but I think Ole Miss does have more depth than it's had in previous years along the offensive line. Though it's not all the way where they want it to be. Um, what they would likely do is slide Fon Cooper over from right tackle to left tackle for the rest of the year, uh, or however long Larry's out, and and start a combination of players: be it Robert Conyers from center to right tackle, uh, Christian Morris, uh, maybe Sean Rollins who started last week. There's a number of things they could do. This week they rotated Christian Morris, uh, Robert Conner, Spawn Cooper, and Sean Rollins at, at tackle. Uh, but whether or not it stays that way remains to be seen. Uh, again, I, I, Ole Miss is going to get Larry Tunsil back. It's just a matter of when they do get him back. But until that point, um, you know, I think they can they can you know shuffle some things around and be competitive. Well, we're going to move from one lineman being out on the offensive side of the ball to another lineman on the defensive side of the ball, Isaac Gross has been announced out with a season-ending neck injury. How can the Revs fill that that void that he's going to be? Well, there's two positions on their team that uh, they're the deepest. It's first, a wide receiver, and second, be along the defensive line. Isaac, uh, compared to the other guys they have, um, brings a little bit different playing style to the table. He's only about 240 pounds, but he's quick as a cat, and he'll get on you fast and um, that that was what made him so good is that it was it's really hard for an, an opposing offensive lineman to get his hands on Isaac because he was reacting so fast and getting underneath uh, making plays. So not having him is tough. They'd been monitoring the next spur. 
that he had for about a year and a half. Um, he actually played with it against UT Martin, uh, but upon further review, it, it became obvious that um, the spur had gotten you know bad enough to where they needed they needed to shut him down. I mean, otherwise, you're, you're talking about a potential career-ending injury, and, and no one wanted that. So the hope is you shut him down now, get him healthy. And uh, let him redshirt, have a medical redshirt year, and come back full full board twenty in twenty sixteen. But in terms of filling the void, I mean they've got one of the best defensive tackles in the country, Robert Kadichi. Uh They got a junior college transfer named B.J. Jones, who five star prospect, um, real plugger at nose guard. Woodrow Hamilton's a a veteran fifth year senior at nose is nose guard. Uh, Breland speaks redshirt last year just so he could uh, lose some baby fat and uh, you know get his body right, and he's he's the next in line to be the next great Ole Miss offensive, uh, Ole Miss defensive tackle. So uh, they got a number of options there. And, and, and while losing Isaac sucks, and um, you know, no one, no one wanted to see it happen. Such a good kid, um, you know, they, they do have depth there to make up for. Uh, moving back onto the offensive side of the ball, looking at Chad Kelly, what did you like about him and his performance in that first game of the season? Well, I liked his decisiveness, and, and again, the arm strength is obvious. You know. Um, I was one of those who was very hesitant, a detractor, if you will, uh, when when Ole Miss signed him in December uh, because of the past history stuff and uh, how. And I, and I even wrote about how Ole Miss was taking a gamble um, adding Chad Kelly. But then the first spring practice, uh, the media was available to see. Um, he just, you know, easy arm action, chunked the ball 60 yards, completion to Quincy out of Boyjo in practice over a well defended uh, against the well defended T. Shepard and. Um, you know, I, I got it. I understood it. And that arm strength showed again uh, against UT Martin. I mean, the interception wasn't his fault. Laquan Trail actually dropped the pass in the hands of the defender. Um, he made good, the right decisions. His arm strength showed. And, you know, when, when you watch all three players and, and really can compare and contrast, it's obviously the best player is to lead this team to uh, where they want to be, and that's hopefully an SEC West championship. Um, Chad's the guy. Uh, now it's just a matter of can he stay – uh, on the right course off the field, and if he does, um, I think the sky's the limit for him. I know we, I know University of Mississippi football team can't look ahead. You never want to overlook a, a team like Fresno State or any team in general because looking at the mountain will make you trip over a molehill sometimes, and they want to avoid that slip up. But you and I can look ahead. Next week is a huge game against Bama. Ole Miss looking to to knock off Alabama for the first for the second time in back to back years. Or, consecutive wins against Alabama for the first time in school history. What would a win against Alabama do for the nat- the national perception of this Mississippi program? Well, I think the national perception is fine. I think that, you know, Ole Miss has arrived in terms of, you know, people, pundits, whoever, taking Ole Miss seriously as a contender. Um, but to, to get into that upper echelon group of contention, um, because Ole Miss kind of got a little bit exposed in that Power 6 game. They were in a Power 6 playoff game. Or excuse me, a playoff six playoff uh, playoff game against TCU got embarrassed. Now a lot of that had to do with injury and guys not playing and this that and the other, including Laramie Tunsil getting hurt in the middle of the game. But having said that, uh, I think Ole Miss is there in terms of being in the conversation. But to get the upper echelon and show that they belong, um, you know, a win over Alabama could help that. But I think more than anything, win over Alabama puts you in a really good position uh, to be a leader in the clubhouse for the SEC West because now not only um, have you beaten Alabama, who you know will be at the top of the SEC West throughout the year? But you've also uh, got the tiebreaker over them if y'all both finish with one loss, because no team is going to come out of the SEC West uh, undefeated. That just doesn't happen anymore. 
the SEC West is the t- toughest division in all of college football. So um, I-, I think of it more from a mathematical playoff seeding type of uh, angle than anything else. It's, it's less than the national presence, more than almost will just uh, you know be in the driver's seat, leader in the clubhouse, take the SEC West because they've knocked off um, the team that that everyone knows will be there, uh, and they hold the tiebreaker over them. Uh, last question, and then we'll we'll get you out of here, Ben. Wrestling is coming to Memphis Monday Night yeah. Raw. What are you most excited yeah. about? Well, first, I'm glad. I'm glad that you asked me about wrestling. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> now we can get to the important things. Um, well, I, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I am very uh, disillusioned with the product right now. Uh, I think that WWE has an incredible roster of talent, but they have no way of utilizing it correctly because they always build towards short-term angles rather than thinking long-term. So you've got these scatterbrained storytelling methods that just make no sense. Um, but if th- there are some uh, parts of the roster that, though they're not utilizing them correctly, I'm excited about, like the Divas division. Um, you know, I'm a big NXT fan. NXT is the best wrestling promotion on the planet. It's funny because um, uh, you know, WWE went from uh, you know, taking out all the competition to building its own competition um, with NXT. NXT is incredible, and, and now you're seeing those divas come up, and if they let them really work, um, it, it could be awesome. You know, Sasha Banks is great, Charlotte's great, Becky Lynch is great, uh, but there are also some guys